January 17th, 2022, in Masechet Sanhedrin, and if you go to the wide lines, at the, of course, after, they, after the narrow lines, five, five lines down in the wide lines, uh, the third word on the line, uh, the Gemara is in the context of citing Pesukim, in the situation in which Benayahu was sent to find Yoav, Benayahu ben Yehoyada was sent by Shilomo HaMelech, to find this general whose name was Yoav. Now Yoav, at the end of his life, and even a little bit in the middle, rebelled against the King David. Now he was on David's side, generally speaking, but he kills Avner, we'll see one or two other things that he did wrong. Uh, kills Amasai as well, that's what we'll talk about. He's involved with Avshalom, well, peripherally. Anyway, what, what the Gitman, that wasn't necessarily a rebellion, that was to help David. Anyway, David at the end of his life tells Shilomo, Go and kill Yoav. Shilomo, in his lifetime, sends this individual, Benayahu ben Yehoyada, to go find Yoav and to kill him. Yoav finds him, he's in the Mishkan. And the circumstance that, was, uh, that the Gemara describes is the following. So again, five lines down, the third word on the line. Vayashev benayahu et davar lemor, kodiber Yoav anani. Now, what we read in the text of the Navi, and what we read in the Gemara in the past was really, was a simple conversation. Yoav walks in, excuse me, Benayahu walks in, he finds Yoav, and Yoav says, I'd like to die over here. He's holding on to the Mizbech, he says, just kill me here. Don't take me anywhere else. The Gemara was in the context of deciding, is Harugem Malchut, who gets the Nechasim, uh, who gets the inheritance, and so forth. But that was the conversation, it was a very simple conversation. However, when Benayahu goes back to the king, to Shilomo, the pasuk seems to say, this is what he said to me, and this is what I responded, and this is, it sounds as if there was a dialogue. That's the way Rashi reads the Gemara over here. So the Gemara, therefore, is wondering what sort of dialogue was there. It was just a simple statement. Yoav says, kill me over here. What was ap- actually going on behind the scenes? That's the question of the Gemara. Amar leh, says Gemara, this is what was happening, uh, the Chachamim reconstructing the situation. Zil Yoav says to Benayahu, go and tell him, meaning the king Shilomo, Tarte means two, Lata'aved, you should not do, Bahai Gavra, to this person, he's speaking in the third person. In other words, says Yoav, I'll understand if you give me one of the following two options. But I'm not accepting two, it's unfair to give me two. Ikatlit le, if you kill him, meaning if you kill me, says Yoav, Kabol latote de latye avuch. You, Shilomo, should accept the curses which your father set upon me, Avuch, your father, David. We'll read in a few moments in the Gemara that David cursed Yoav at the end of his life. In addition to telling Shilomo that he should get killed, he curses him. Vi'ilah continues Yoav and he says, and if you're not going to um, accept the curses, um, so in such a circumstance, what you should do for me is So then just allow me to stay alive and accept those curses. I don't want to die and be the receiver of those curses. So here's the deal. Either your, your master, Shilomo, accepts those curses and he kills me, or I stay alive and I accept those curses of David. Says the Pasuk, Shilomo responds to Benayahu, Upegabo says Shilomo to Benayahu, go and do exactly as he said, go kill him, ukvarto, 
and bury him. In other words, Shilomo effectively, in the eyes of Chachamim, is accepting the curses of David. So as the Gemara onward, well, A, what were those curses? B, were they actually fulfilled in the family of Shilomo? I'm out of you. Apparently, the conclusion of the Gemara will be, what, what seems clear in the eyes of the Chachamim is since this is what they refer to as Kililat Hinam, it was an undeserving curse. I can't tell you who's deserving and who's not. But David was too harsh on Yoav. As a result, not only could he, it was almost, uh, he was deserving of getting them. When you give, as the Gemara will have harsh words of warning at the end, be certain before you give a curse that you're, that you're in the right over here. Instead, just be on the receiving end of the curse, because if it's kilat chinam, it'll just bounce back at them. Says the Gemara, what was the curse? And in turn, if Shilomo was receiving, how did his children get this? Amar Rav Yehuda, Amar Rav, Kol Kelalot Shekilel David et Yoav, Nitkayemu Bezaro Shel David. You should know, says Rav Yehuda in the name of Rav, all the curses which David bestowed or threw at, pronounced upon Yoav, they uh, took hold on the descendants of David, Shilomo's children and others. Uh, well, what is and what was the curse of David? So here it is. The Pasuk went as follows. Al yikaret mi bet Yoav, there should not be karet, means cut off from the household of Yoav. Zav, Zav is a person who has discharge, is in, uh, out of control of his body. He has discharge to the extent that he's tameh. But furthermore, he's ill to a certain extent. Umesora, we know what a mesora is. Umahazik bapelech refers to a person who has to hold a cane or a staff in order to walk. In other words, they have difficulty walking. Vinofel baherev means a person who's killed, literally with a sword, but it means in battle, a person who has a difficult ending. Vahasar lechem means vahasar lachem refers to a person who doesn't have enough bread, needs to ask and be dependent upon others for bread. So those were, for food, those were the curses which David throws at Yoav. Says Rav Yudah in the name of Rav, if you pay careful attention to many of the descendants of David, you'll notice, and we'll go through them, that this was nitkayim bahim. They had this. This was fulfilled on them. So as the Gemara, let's start with Zav. The first reference was Zav, this discharge, this illness. The pasuk in the context of Rehavam. Rehavam was the son of Shilomo. It describes him getting into a chariot and some sort of word association. It's not a classic Gezer Shava, but we look at that word Merkava in this context and we link it up to the place in the Torah where it uses that word Merkava or Merkava, the Pasuk says in the Torah, any place, any chariot, anything that the Zav is sitting on becomes Tameh. We linked up the word Merkava by Rehavam to the word Merkav in the Torah, and we in turn rendered, well, the same way in the Torah, Merkav was in the context of Zav, a person who had that discharge, which renders them tameh, so too, that's what happened to Rehavam. That's the furthest in terms of the imagination of the Hachamim. In other words, this one is the associating between the words. The rest of them are a lot more straightforward. Misora, 
who's a, who became Misora from the descendants of David, Me'uziyahu. Uziyahu had this crazy thing he decided and was determined to do. He, of course, is from the descendant of David, which means he's from Shevet Yehuda. Shevet Yehuda have no place in the Mishkan with the Ketoret. Only the Levim, the Kohanim, have place over there. But Uziyahu is decided and determined he should be Maktir Ketoret. He should bring that incense in the Mishkan. Dikhtiv, Bhaskato, Gavali Bo, Ad Lehashit, Vayimol. Hashem Hashem There's Uziyahu, the king, deciding and rebelliously walking into the Mishkan in order to bring forth Ketoret Uchtiv Vehasarat Zareha the Pasuk says, and what happened to him? He was afflicted with Sarat. So there it is, the first curse of Zav and the second of Misora and the descendants of David. Mahazik Bapelech. Where do you have an individual who's holding a staff? In other words, having difficulty walking. They're uh, stunted in their mobility. Me'asa. Asa was a good king, but he had difficulty at, the, at, at a point in his life, at the end of his life. Dikhtiv, rakle'et ziknato hala et raglav. The Pasuk says, in his old age, he was hala, he became ill, he became sick with his feet. There it is. Well, what illness and sickness, or in what way were his feet uh, torturing him that, so to speak, he needed to be on a staff? Says the Gemara, he had, he was afflicted at that time with what's called podagra, says Rashi. Ken Shem HaHoli, that's the name of the illness. Even in our language, which means in old French, I put it into Google, in contemporary Hebrew, it means gout. So that's how you say gout even today. Podagra apparently is gout. Uh, but they spell it today with a modern, I mean, as per Google. I put it in this morning, mamash. I knew it was gout, but I wanted to see if it actually, because I like the Rashi. Rashi says, even in old French, we call it podagra. And I assume that's what he means. Anyway, it says the Gemara, that's podagra. Now, the Gemara goes further. And the reason several of the Mefarshim suggest the Gemara is going to define what uh, gout is about is because it sounds like we're going in order of severity in the Pasuk. Now, the Pasuk describes Zav, and then it says Mesora. It's a illness. It's a rich man, lots of meat and wine, right? Uh, makes makes a lot of sense. Cheese as well. I thought cheese just bad for cholesterol. But okay. Anyway, uh, so but uh, but but the, the the Gemara will go on to describe how painful uh, this is because you're going in order. In other words, if you now the next one is you're going to die baherev. I mean that's really bad. You started zav and misora. I mean gout is difficult, but to what extent are we dealing with? So as the Gemara, you should know it could be, and it oftentimes is very painful. Amar le morzutra rav nachman rav nachman for what's it like? How, what is? What does it feel like to have gout, to have podagra? It's like taking a needle and sticking it into raw flesh, which means to say it's very painful. Says the Gemara, wait a second, Morzutra asked this to Rav Nachman, and Morzutra, the son of Rav Nachman, asked his father this, how did Rav Nachman know this? How did Rav Nachman know what podagra feels like? So I have one of three options as to how Rav Nachman knew what it felt like. Uh, one suggestion is, 
He experienced it. He had those feelings. He had gout himself. As a result, Rav Nachman was easily able to answer his son, this is what it feels like. Alternatively, says the Gemara, Alternatively, Rav Nachman learned it from his rabbi. His rabbi taught it to him when they got up to this pasuk, when they were discussing it in some context. As a result, Rav Nachman knew what Podagra felt like, a mahat bebasar hai and this is my favorite of the uh, third, uh, three answers. Soda ubrito lehodi'am. The pasuk says that those who fear God have revealed to them the sod. What does that mean to say? How could that be possible? It's nivuah, ruach hakodesh. I think more than anything, it refers to a person who's immersed in Torah and seeking truth, and through it, understanding and perceiving the world in ways that sometimes others could not. Does that mean he's going to be greater than a medical professional? Not necessarily. Oftentimes not. But it does mean he'll perhaps, if he's truly insightful. And, and focused have insight into matters that the average person wouldn't. I think many of us know this from experience. Again, it's not to say that Rav Nachman was greater than a doctor or he was a doctor at all. It's to say that he had a hush for these sorts of matters. People who sometimes are sensitive to the world and understanding and perceptive to the words of Torah and as a result have that radar, their eyes, the hacham inav birosho, have the capability of sod adonai lireav, not that it was revealed to him in some sort of prophetic vision, but rather this was an understanding which a person who's truly immersed in Torah, who's truly seeking truth, uh, could uh, uh, achieve. Says the Gemara, nofel baharev. The Pasuk said, and we're going to have uh, individuals in this family who are also going to fall by Hedev. They're going to be... they're going to be killed by sword. Again, not necessarily sword per se, but it means they're going to have difficult deaths at war. Miyoshiahu. We can derive this from Yoshiahu. Another good king, but a difficult death. Dikhtiv. Oh, we didn't have many good kings, so it's good to mention when they were good. Dikhtiv. I mean, whatever. It was a good one. Dikhtiv. Vayoru hamorim lamelech Yoshiahu. The Pasuk says that the, uh, the archman uh, shot at the king Yoshiahu, or Hayorim, rather. Lirot, of course, means to raise up. When you shoot an arrow, it's called to be yore. When you shoot a gun, it's to be yore as well. You should know, says Rav Yehuda, in the name of Rav, his whole body became like a sieve. In other words, like uh, something you'd spill the water and something else into, and you'd have the water funnel out. I know it from pasta, but a sieve. So it's filled with lots of holes because they shot so many arrows at him. Rabbeinu Hananel adds from Talmud Yerushalmi, 300 arrows, some sort of masoret, that Yoshiau had this terrible death, but that's the nofel baherev, that's the individual in the household of David who has this curse of really being killed terribly um, by, by, the, by, the, uh, by the opponents. Says the Gemara, v'hasar lachem, the pasuk, last curse of David to Yoav, which fell back onto David's family, Miyechonyah. Yechonyah we know as well. He's the individual that Mordechai, right, with the Galut, right? Yechonyah was the king who was exiled from Eris Israel during the time that the Mikdash was still standing. Of course, we're referring to the first Mikdash. And he finds his way to Babel as a captive. And he's kept a captive by the son of Nebuchadnezzar, 
and uh, he's given, he's rationed bread every single day. You couldn't find a better example of an individual who's a descendant of David who's literally dependent upon others for bread. The Pasuk says that, uh, that Yechonyah got daily and sustenance, but he wasn't able to achieve it and to, and, and to procure it on his own. He got given it. As a result, each one of the curses which David had hoped upon Yoav were thrown back at him in the eyes of the Hachamim because Yoav threw it back at him. Why would that work in such a fashion? Amar Rav Yehuda, Rav, Hainu Damre Inche, says Rav Yehuda in the name of Rav, this is what people say, the Amre, Amrim, Inche, people, you should know this touches upon an aphorism. It's something that people often say and you see it now fulfilled in our story. Tehe lute velo tehe laata. You should be the one who's cursed as opposed to the one who is a curser. In other words, don't throw the curse at someone else, like Rashi says. When you send a chinam, a, a, a cheap and undeserving curse at another person, this story perhaps is, 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 is telling us. Uh, I guess something along the lines of Akadosh Baruchuta Abraham. But more than anything, the point is be careful with your words. You should be the one who is perhaps others, not that you're looking for people to curse you, but if you're dealing in the curse business, make certain it's coming at you, not from you. Yeah. Fantastic question. Shilomo took the curses upon himself, but at the same time, even if you accept it upon yourself, you revert to Nathan's question. You can do such a thing because you accept it upon yourself. It appears as if beyond just accepting it in this circumstance, it was deserving. Says the Gemara, all right, so that was the situation of Yoav. Ben Ayahu finds him in the Mishkan, they make this deal, but now it's time to kill Yoav. Prior to killing Yoav, you're going to judge Yoav. You're not just going to put a bullet in his head, you're not just going to stab him. You're going to take him to Sanhedrin, you're in some way going to judge him according to Tzedek Mishpat that he deserves. At Yuhali Yoav, they brought Yoav to be judged. Amar le, the judge says to Yoav, Yoav, the first issue that we have on you is that you killed Avner. Again, Avner was uh, the Sarsava of Shaul, but at a time during which they were going to make peace, Yoav kills Avner. Why did he kill Avner? David was not wanting to kill Avner, and Yoav nonetheless kills him. So the question is, how did you have the audacity to go ahead against the will of the king, against the command of the king, and kill Avner, Yoav? Amale says the Gemara, Goel Hadam de Asael Havai. Says Avner, you should know, Avner killed my brother Asael. Asael was the brother of Yoav who chased after Avner at a specific juncture. Avner warns him and ends up killing Asael. Says Yoav in turn, I'm what's called Goel Hadam. I was ransoming the blood of my brother. If he killed my brother Asael, I was able, I was given permission to then kill him. That's called Goel Hadam. Says the Gemara Asael, Rodefava says the Gemara, the Dayan turns to um, Yoav and says, incorrect, because you should know your brother 
was determined to be what's called rodef. Rodef means a pursuer. If a person's running after another person, we'll see this in the Mishnah we'll see, and the Gemara later on and Dafa'in Bet. If you, uh, you should never see such a thing, but if you see a person chasing after another, looking to kill them, the Mishnah and Dafa'in Gimal, the halacha is that it's Nitan Nahatzilo ben You put a bullet in the person who's, who's running after the other. You save the life of the person who's being chased after and the person who's trying to kill you, save him from sin by killing him. In this circumstance, Asael is running after Avner. He's judged as a rodef. Avner had full capability and permissibility to kill Asael. So Yoav, you weren't allowed to then kill Avner. Avner was clean in terms of his actions. Your brother was a rodef. Amar le hayalo lehasilo be'ehad me'evarav. Responded Yoav in this reconstruction of a court case, you should know, judge, it's not so. Because even if my brother Asael was the pursuer, it was possible for Avner to turn around and instead of putting a bullet in his head or his heart, he could have taken out his legs. He could have maimed him. He could have gotten rid of one of his limbs and by so doing saved his life. This is a, a statement of Yonatan ben Shaul, later on on Dafa'in Dalit as well. The Gemara on Dafa'in Dalit quotes from Yonatan ben Shaul, fascinating name, Rabbi Yonatan ben Shaul, not Yonatan, the son of Shaul in the Tanakh. Anyway, uh, so, uh, but uh, over there, that the statement is, if it's if you're able to save yourself or the other person by just taking out the person who's, uh, who's pursuing without killing them and you kill them, you're deservant of the death penalty. You're not allowed to go that far. It's not that we uh, turn this person into a dead man walking. He's a dead man walking if you have to kill him. If you don't need to kill him, then you don't kill him, says says Yoav to the judge, Your Honor, I'm sorry. Although my brother was a pursuer, I'll accept that, Avner should not have killed him. Avner could have defended himself without killing him. Could have knocked out his legs. Could have uh, knocked out his eyes. He could have done something to him to save himself. Says the Gemara, Amar Leh, the Dayan, turns back to Yoav and says to him, again, this is a reconstruction of the Hachami more than anything, teaching us halachot and concepts in halacha. Amar Leh, la yachile. Says the Gemara, you should know, the Dayan says to Yoav, Avner was not able to. He wasn't able to. If you're not able to, you kill the person. In other words, if you're not able to aim or the circumstances, the guy's right behind you and you can't turn around and take him out, you have to put a bullet in his head. So you have to put a bullet in his head. Layachile, Avner could not have been Matzil Hadme Evarav. Says you have, hold on a second. Do you know how my brother died? Are you familiar with the precision with which Avner killed my brother? Says Yoav, back to the judge, my brother was killed by Avner in his fifth rib. What's the fifth rib? We have an explanation here in the Gemara in the name of Rabbi Yohanan. It's the rib where, or it's the segment of, of your intestines where the mara and kavid, your gallbladder and your liver are residing. Which means to say, Avner was very precise exactly where he took his sword and stuck it into my brother. You're telling me he was so precise to get it in the perfect area to get the gallbladder and liver so that he takes out my brother swiftly and he couldn't have turned around and instead sliced off his legs. He couldn't have in some way saved himself without killing him. Can't accept it. And Yoav, in the reconstruction of the rabbis, defends himself. 
So he's okay. His defense for why he killed Avnev, all right, he was a Goel had, you were Goel Hadam for your brother Amasa. Amar le Nezil Avner. All right, says the Gemara, the Dayan turns to Yoav and says, Nezil Avner, Avner, let's move on from Avner. Let's talk about someone else that you killed. Why did you kill this individual whose name was Amasa? Amasa was sent in the time of David. To, uh, to kill, to go after Sheva ben Bichri. Sheva ben Bichri was rebelling against the king. We'll talk about him later in the Masechet at one juncture as well. And Amasa was sent to go and handle him. But instead of being able to actually handle him, Yoav ends up killing Amasa. So turns the judge to Yoav and says, that was against the will of the king as well. You were rebelling. It was in a time of rebellion from Sheva ben Bichri. And you, instead of defending the king and doing what you were supposed to do, you killed Amasa, who was defending the king, doing the word of the king. Amale Amasa, Mored Mahutava. He says, you don't know, judge. Amasa, he rebelled against the king. He rebelled against the king. He was on his way to go defend for the king. He was on his way to go kill Sheva ben Bichri, this individual who was going against the king. He rebelled? Yeah. The king, David, says to Amasa, go and in three days get the people of Yehuda to, uh, to go fight against Sheva. Vayuhar, the Pasuk says, instead of him doing it so swiftly and quickly within three days, Vayuhar, Vayuhar means it took him time, he delayed. He doesn't do it immediately. He doesn't do it immediately. So clearly he was doing the wrong thing. He should have done it immediately. If the king tells you to do it within three days, you do it within three days. The fact that he didn't do it within three days says, Yoav, it got me so nervous. I realized he was rebelling against the king. That's why I killed Amasa. Amar le, says the judge back to Yoav in this reconstruction, Amasa achim verakin darash. You should know Amasa kivyachol was doresh when the Torah uses the word ach or rak. Sometimes that's coming or oftentimes that's coming to teach us something. Ach and rak both mean just. If the Torah is using an extra word to tell you just, well, it's coming to tell you to exclude something from here. How so? Uh, what was the circumstance? And what ach and rak are you talking about? In turn, what does it have to do with Amasa? Ashkehinu de patiyah lehu b'masechta. Says the Gemara, Amasa, when he get, went to get the people from Yehuda, he found that they were, had open in front of them masechta. They were studying Torah. Amar, he said to himself, in determining what to do in this moment. Keep in mind, Amasa is sent by the king. Go gather the people from Yehuda. Bring them to go defend for me. He goes and he finds them studying Torah, say the rabbis. Amar, ketib kol isha sheyamret picha velo yishmat yumat. The Pasuk says in Sefer Yehoshua, in Perek Aleph, God tells Yehoshua, anyone who doesn't listen to you as your status as king, as your status as monarchy, should get killed. Does that mean even if the reason they're not listening to the king is because they're involved in Torah? Similar to, of course, Isha vivi imotirau. Uh, right? The Pasuk mentions honoring your parents next to Shabbat. Do you honor your parents even to transgress Shabbat? Of course not. That's why they're mentioned in conjunction in the Pasuk. Similar context concept over here. Says the Gemara, so to speak, Amasa said to himself, I see them studying Torah, but the king wants me to take them. Should I take them from Torah? Tamud Lomar, Rak. 
Hazak ve'ematz. The pasuk says in Yahushua, Rak, only Hazak ve'ematz, strengthen yourself and be emboldened, which means to say the Rak is coming to minimize, to exclude. What's it coming to exclude when they're involved in Torah? Says the Gemara, the Dayan turns to Yoav and says to him, the judge says to Yoav, you're wrong, because Amasa, the reason he didn't do it right away was because they were immersed in Torah. He's not supposed to listen to the king in that circumstance. Says the Gemara, Ela, Ahu, Gavra, Mored, Rather, explains the Gemara, Yoav, says the judge, Ahu, Gavra, speaking in third person, that person, but referring to Yoav, he's Mored, Bamalchut. He rebelled against the king. The Pasuk says that another one of these wrongdoings of Yoav is that instead of going after the appointment of David for Shilomo after his death, he goes after Adonia at the end of the life of David. Why is he going after Adonia? The king said, you're supposed to support the next king who's going to be Shilomo. Yoav, you're supporting the wrong person. Okay, so that's what the Pasuk, and that's why he's put to death. Does everybody understand? Again, a long story short, Yoav defends himself against the killing of Avner, the killing of Amasa. But ultimately speaking, the question is, is he still deserving of death? The answer is yes, he wasn't supportive of the appointment of Shilomo, which was the command of David, he went after Adonia. In the Pasuk that describes that, there's a funny description, says the Gemara. The Pasuk says, he goes after Adonia, but he didn't go after, this is a reference to Yoav, Avshalom. Avshalom was earlier in the life of David. I'm sorry, there's a lot of background over here. We need to know Tanakh better to really fully get it. I'm trying to give it to you as, as briefly and as quickly as we can. But earlier in the life of David, his son Avshalom has this rebellion in which he wants to be the king. And the Pasuk says over here, when Yoav at the end of the life of David goes after, instead of Shilomo, who's going to be the successor of David, he goes after Adonia, says the Pasuk, but you should know earlier in his life, he didn't go after Avshalom. That's a funny reference. Why does the Pasuk say that? Say that. My lonata. Why would you mention that? I'm in the moment in which I'm saying the reason you're guilty, or the reason the Torah, the, the Navi is telling us what was wrong over here is he's going after, Avshalom, after Adonia. In that moment, he said, but by the way, earlier he didn't. It sounds like it's an irrelevant piece of information. Amar of Yehuda, shebikesh lintot velonata. Says the Gemara, the reason the Pasuk says it like this is to tell us, to reference to us, if you read carefully, he wanted to go after Avshalom as well. Here he's going after Adonia against the will of the king. Earlier, he wanted to go with Avshalom as well, but he didn't. Why didn't he? Why would he not go after Avshalom, but now he's going after Adonia? Before we read onward in the Gemara, I've already told you this was at two junctures in the life of David. One is when David is ripe and strong. The other is at the end of his life when he's appointing his successor. Put yourself... Don't really. But if you were to be a rebellion, someone who's rebelling against the king, you do it when the king's power has waned. They don't do it when they're young and strong and powerful and on top of their game. David's strength, Rashi uses the word givura for lihluqit, was still apparent, was still there in the time when Avshalom was rebelling against him, was trying to appoint himself as king. What's that word lihluqit? Literally, lihluqit means moistness. We have it from the Pasuk of Moshe at the end of the Torah. Lo right? It means that he kept his 
physical moistness, and we know as people age, as, ma- as things age, they lose that moistness, they become dry. So the description of David and his strength is when he's moist, when he still has the Givura. Says the Gemara, how was he so strong early on? Could you give me a little bit more details? Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Hanina, Amar, Adain, Itztagnine shel David Kayamin. Early in his life, he still had his Itztagninim. Generally speaking, I'd say 99% of the time, as Rashi points out in the Gemara, we use these words, it's tagninut, we refer to sorcerers and people who are magicians in an illegal way. Over here, says Rashi, it's a reference to the warriors, the people who are in charge of his army. Why use the same word? Because generally speaking, kings and important people would turn to their sorcerers for advice and for power. Over here, it's a description, those words don't per se mean sorcerers, they mean the people People who are powering, who are who are empowering, who are the forceful individuals. So as a result, the description is early in David's life. It's not necessarily that he had the muscles, but he has strong strong people fighting for him. Who are the strong people fighting for him? We touched on these people on Daf Kaf Alpha, if I'm not mistaken. David had leading his charge in his army. 400 young men, Kulan b'nei Yefat Tohar hayu. They were all the children of Yefat Tohar. Tohar, Torah describes in Sefer Devarim, Yefat Tohar, if a person goes out to war fighting against non-Jews and he sees a beautiful woman, the halakha is allowed to bring her back and he's even going through a, a long process, he's even allowed to sleep with her, he's even allowed to have children with her. These children were born from Yefat Tohar. This is some sort of tradition in the Gemara. Were these the children of David? We had a discussion, a debate at the time on Daf Kaf Aleph. I said very clearly they were not. I think Katten argued with me, then I looked into it more. It's a mahlok it had to interpret who these B'nai Yifat were. And you should know these Yifat individuals, these children of Yifat so you got 400 children of Gentile women, and they had, the way Harambam understands Blorit is it's a mohawk of some sort, a mohawk which was a way of avodah zara. So they had this hair which was intimidating, made them look like good non-Jews. And they would stand at the head of the legions of David. And they were the strong individuals who led David. Why is the Gemara mentioning all this? To we tell us. No, I don't. I think so. I think so. Those are the ones who we took the spleen out of them. No, separate. I think. I think separate. I don't know. But what I can tell you is what the Gemara more than anything is telling us is that Yoav earlier in the life of David felt intimidated. He knew if he tries to rebel against David to go to Avshalom, he's a dead man walking. Just very quickly in reference to this Blorit. This Blorit is mentioned at the end of Masechet Avodah Zarah. In the middle of Masechet Avodah Zarah, it's the way of Avde Avodah Zarah. They would have specific haircuts. And as a result, Am Yisrael are prohibited to have such haircuts. The word comes up in Halakha, in contemporary Halakha as well, interestingly. In Siman Kafzayin, if I'm not mistaken, Mishnah Barah quotes from maybe Pirimigadim, from someone, Mahasita Shekel, it says that you're not supposed to grow a blorit at the front of your head. Now, blorit, again, is a mohawk of some sort, but he's using that word. Why are you not allowed to grow a blorit in the front of your head? Well, one of two reasons. Either it's still the way of the non-Jewish uh, attire, it's when they have a, a lot of hair in the front of their head. Alternatively, says Mishnah, but you should know it's going to be a hatzisa for your tefillin. You're going to have too much hair over there. It's going to be a hotzitz, which is not at all simple. 
I can tell you, when I was in Mir Yeshiva, there was a pamphlet that went around, and on it, there was a lot of matters that were wrong with the way that the Bnei Yeshiva were dressed and were, had their attire, and one of them was the chup. That's how they describe it in Yiddish. Chup means that I had none of these issues for a long time in my life. But that's the context of Blori today. Is that a problem for you or me if someone does have a lot of hair in the front of their head? Generally speaking, assuming it's not really out of control, it doesn't actually pose an issue of Hatzik Amen, amen.